a lot always happens when you go and uh, just allow God to use you. And, um, you know, we, as you know, we lived on the mission field for three years. And uh, we used to bring teams down, work teams and things. And the truth is, when you go on a missions trip of some types, when you go to, you know, give of yourself, um, often we go with this idea that we're going to go and bless these people. We're going to go and do something for them and how blessed they're going to be. And what really happens is that our hearts and our lives get changed and blessed and challenged. And it's really more about the work that God does in us than, than the work that he does through us. Um, not that he doesn't use us. And, and that was one of the things in, in Mexico. Uh, I've been going, I go nearly every year. He, I don't know why he wants me to come and preach at the pastor's conference and, and teach a church. Um, but he, he asks me sincerely to come every year. And I think, I don't know why I'm going. My Spanish isn't that great. I'm not a great preacher. And, uh, but I think it's just about what happens when you're in relationship with others. One of the things I've noticed in, in other countries, especially Latin American countries, they value relationship. They value relationship above so many other things. And, and one of the things in, in this nation, we tend to value truth, law, and relationships get lost. There's, and really not one is necessarily better than the other, both are, are really important. Value relationships, and of course, truth is good. Laws are pretty good too. Um, when I was down there, I was sharing, a, and I wanted to talk to the pastors about the difference between knowing God's law and living by God's law. Um, you know, we can know it, we can know, know the Bible, but if we don't apply it to our lives, then, then we're really, it's just a waste. And so I had my interpreter, Chris, and I, I really felt like I had this great example. Um, I thought it was from the Lord, and if it was from the Lord, um, he's got a sense of humor. Because I said, you know, uh, has anyone ever driven in a, in a third world country like Mexico? You know? or le- okay, it's nuts. Just flat out, it's just crazy. Um, and so, so I says, you know, I, I imagine here that, uh, you know, you guys who have your licenses that you're driving, that you know the laws, right? You know, I mean, and, and they looked at me like, no, and they said, no, we don't. And I started laughing. You don't know the laws? You know, said, no, you don't have to, you, you don't have to know the laws to get your license. My, my, my example was quickly leaving, <laughs> quickly. And so I said, well, you know, I, you know, I imagine that when in order to get your driver's license, you have to take a test. And Chris said, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Other times you just walk in and you pay your you know, 20 pesos or whatever it is, and they give you a license. So my face is so red. I'm laughing so hard because the example's gone, and, and, I, and I said, that explains a lot. <laughs> Amen? I mean, you know, you know, when you have four or five lanes of cars where there's three lanes, you know, you go, how are they, why are they driving like that? Well, now that I understand that they don't know the laws, that you're only supposed to drive in one lane, that, that explains a lot. So that, that, that example did go out the window, and we had a really, really good laugh. They weren't laughing with us. They didn't understand what was so funny. <laughs> but the gringos, we thought it was funny.
So, um, but, uh, you know, we, we want to be in relationship with, with the Lord and with one another. And it's not part of the message, but we'll see. It's good. We, we, we promote um, life groups. We need, we need more leaders, truthfully, but we promote life groups. We don't promote Bible studies. You can study the Bible on your own. That's great. I mean, not that I don't promote studying the Bible. We live, we promote life groups because that's where relationships happen. That's where life happens. Um, because, you know, we're, we're all, honestly, we're one of the most independent uh, people groups in the world. I think we are the most independent people groups in the world. We th- think about the, the, the wild, wild west. It was, it's rugged independence, right? Well, I'm going to do it. And, and it has pervaded every part of our life. We, we really just want to, we, we close ourselves off. Back in the, in the 50s, um, I was not alive, but I've heard the stories. Um, many people had, they had their little house. They had a front porch and used to sit on the front porch. Anybody you remember, any of you old enough to remember sitting on the front porch? Okay. You, 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 most people don't. They sit on the back porch. They sit on the back porch. And they have built a six-foot wooden fence around their backyard so nobody can see in. They used to live in a community. They would walk to the store, which was just a few blocks away. And they would see everyone in the store, and they knew everyone in the store. Then they would take the kids to the local park and to the local school. And life was about knowing people. Bob would pass by and say, hey, Bob. Today, we have garages where we keep the car with an interior passage from the house to the garage so we can run and get into our car, drive 40 miles away to go to work, drive to the opposite end of another town because we like that Starbucks and that store better, we don't like the schools in our school district, so often people know this isn't as much Big Bear. Uh, people will take their kids to another school district, and, and we, we just we don't have any relationship with anyone. And then on the weekend, we hide in our backyard and barbecue and only invite the people that we really like, which leaves us being robbed from being in relationship with people that we would never choose to be in relationship with. And I tell you, there's richness in that. I was t- talking to Gary last night about about their life group, and they're they're going on a pond to th- This is the like the the winning life group of the church. Shirley and Gary, they're going they're go- yay. yay, they're going on a on a pontoon boat next week or in a couple weeks. They have dinner parties. They get together, but Gary said, you know, had it not been for being put together in this setting, likely the none of these people would really be friends. They're different, but they've been put together and they've developed relationship with each other. And so we need to be open to that as, as the body of Christ because, and that's gonna get into the message because there's so much life that happens in that. It's one of the things sometimes when people come to the church here, they go, don't wanna do that, and so they leave. Some people just wanna come, get a message, be filled, and then they wanna move on because uh, I don't want you to know my junk. And I definitely don't wanna know yours. Right, like yeah, it's too much TMI, and so, um, but but we want to we want to grow because you know if you know if you don't really like if you don't like my personality, my encouragement is just get used to it. Otherwise, your first thousand years in heaven is going to be miserable. Because <laughs> we're, we're 
we're going to be stuck together forever. Yeah. And, uh, and, we're, and we're family, amen? And uh, growing relationships, um, speaking of, you know, relationships, I don't know if that's me or not. This morning, Karen Cumberland is joining us. Karen was, uh, is part of our family and, and attended this church 10, 10, year, 10 years plus and came to Christ and, and, uh, and came to the church through, through her neighbor Jolene and they became friends and this is how the body grows and uh, just recently she moved to, to Reno which I got, Shannon and I and Bob and Jolene got to help them on the move and take a car up and some stuff um, but she's down visiting for a couple weeks and she was so excited that she could be at church this morning twice do you have do you want to sh- greet anyone or share anything When, when she first came to the church, you know, she says, I just can't wait to lead a life group and, and be on the board here. It was like her number one desire. You know, and that we're, this is going to be a segue into the message because as she became part of the family, um, she just stepped into um, what, the God, what God was leading her and calling her to do. And so, and in, in reluctantly, but she served faithfully, faithfully on the board, and she was um, one of our life group leaders, and she had a ministry. Now, this part she probably did love. She, she had a quilting ministry here. She'd open up, and people would come and quilt together, and, and uh, it, it was just really good. And so, we're going to segue into the message this morning. Um, I bet we could turn the volume down a little bit, but keep the record level high. Is, is it kind of hot, kind of loud, or is it Okay. It's just ringing for me. Okay, as long as it sounds good there. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going we're gonna to just kind of gonna segue because this is really kind of about what it's at. We've been studying in the book of Ephesians. Um, you know, uh, Paul has been telling us about who we were, who God is, and what he's created us to be. Um, we talked about that we were dead in transgression and sin at the beginning of chapter 2. Talked about that the, the spirit of, the, of this world, or the spirit of Satan, he works in us in our disobedience as part of the beginning uh, passages in Ephesians chapter 2. It's, it teaches us and reminds us that we used to, before we were Christians, we used to gratify our sinful natures. We followed our sinful nature desires, right? We just had the desires and we did whatever we wanted to do. Um, and because of that, we were, by nature, objects of wrath. As we read in, in chapter 2, and, and Mickey covered this last week a little bit, um, that, uh, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his love for us, made us alive in Christ. So though we were bad, though we were lost, though we were objects of wrath, though we followed our sinful natures, Christ, God, who in his mercy and his love for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead. Um, it's, he says it a couple of times here, it was by his grace that we're saved not by our works. And that's what we're going to pick up today. Um, it said in the, in the first part of chapter 2 that God raised us up and gave us spiritual authority and spiritual blessings. These are things that we're discovering and learning and walking into. Uh, the full revelation of God's grace and what he wants to give us through Christ is still waiting to be revealed at the end of our life. No matter how much love, mercy, grace you've received, there is still yet another uh, understanding and portion that we will not fully be realized until we are with him in heaven. And then finally, we're gonna, where we're going to start this morning is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Uh, memorizing scriptures, I want all of you underline this in your Bible and memorize these scriptures. It's so important. For it is by grace you have been saved, not by works, it's by faith. Um, and so it's a gift of God. So we, we, want, we want to get the, the word in our hearts and understand that. And so, so as we segue from here, this is, we're going to really just focus on one verse this morning, and it's Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. Last week, Mickey talked. Um, I listened to the message twice, and it, it, was, it was just really encouraging. He talked about um, you know, the, the plan of God, how God can, can use what the enemy, you know, talked about what the evil plans that, God ha- that the enemy has for us, but God. So this morning, we're going to pick up in Ephesians 2.10. And I want to read that real quick. Out of the New King James, it says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right? You can't read verse 10 without looking back at at 8 and 9, though, because he's tying these together. Uh, And and as as Christians today, we often pull one verse out and just, just quote it. And, um, but, but you can't take 10 without looking back at 8 and 9. For grace by you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift. Not of works, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For, because we are his work. We're his workmanship. We were, and then and we're going to stop, stop with that real quick. A couple months ago, um, in fact, I'm going to back up. The message has been referred to a number of times. Pastor Dave, it's on our website. Go listen to it again. It was really, really good. Um, it's bigbirthstitioncenter.org. Um, media sermons and all of our sermons that could come up, that's one. But a few months ago, back in March, I preached on this verse. And we're not going to focus on what I preached already. You can go listen to that. But it says, we are as workmanship, and the word there is poema. That's a work of art. is a masterpiece, a poem. So we don't have salvation because of our work. Paul's trying to help us to understand that we are God's creation. We don't have salvation because of something we've done. We have salvation because God created us as a work of art, as a, as a masterpiece. And, so, and then he says, but you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. We are God's poem. We are God's workmanship we didn't just happen okay you didn't just happen you were created as a work of art God had fully in mind what he wanted to do in your life we were thought of corporately as 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 all of his children but we were thought of individually Psalm 139 tells us that he knit me and he knit you together in our mother's womb he is intimately um, aware of us, he created us, he knows our idiosyncrasies, um, and so and he, it was in his good pleasure that he created us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, is the only other place in the New Testament that uses the word poema, in a, in a der- derivation of it. Um, it's when he was talking about the creation of the world, God's attributes have been clearly seen in the things that are made, that are poema. God's attributes are clearly seen in his masterpieces. That's you and me. That means that, that when somebody looks at you, 
there is an ability for them to see the attributes of God. And, and it's pretty heavy because I don't think that people always look at me and say, wow, there's God. I mean, that's, I can't even tell the difference, right? But the attributes of God are in me. Now, whether people are seeing them or not is kind of up to me. Whether I allow them to see the attributes of God or my own attributes. But as I die to myself and allow him to live through me, people can see his attributes through me and through you. See, I change that. He can see them through you. You are God's masterpiece. In my garage, there's uh, assorted tools, like most of you guys. Uh, most of the tools I've purposely acquired. I bought them. I needed one. I bought it. I needed a, a, a tube cutter a while back. I went and I bought a little tube cutter so I could sweat some pipes together. Um, I needed a, uh, I was doing a brake job and it, ha it required a special socket that was weird. And so I went out and bought the socket. I, I, now I, that, that sits on my, on my thing, in my, in my drawers. And when I open it, I'm like, I know what that's for. That's for a brake job and probably will never use it for anything but that because it's a weird looking little socket. I know what those tools are for, but also in the course of life, I've been given small boxes of tools, um, some from my grandfather that I, I collected. He was born in 1899, so some of the tools I got from him are really old. Um, I got a number of tools from Gail Cumberland. Um, most of those tools, I know what they're for, but some of them came in boxes, and in those boxes were things I'm like, what's this? I have no idea. Usually I have to go find somebody, you know, another man, and say, what is this? In fact, at one point years ago, I had, a, had this thing, and it had all these kind of threads on the end, and it had a little handle thing, and found out that it was a tap-and-die set. So I got a tap-and-die set, and, and uh, I've only used it once, but I, I've got one. Um, those tools, I don't know what they're for, but, but I think that they probably have a purpose, pretty sure. I have asked, what in the world is this for? Never seen one. To me, it just looks like a strange object. And I, and I thought, now, is there somewhere a company um, that, that made this foreign, strange object that has no purpose? You know, just imagine there's this metal fabrication company, and there's this designer who comes in uh, to the owner, and he says, hey, boss, look at this. And, and this little piece slips into this part right here, and you click it, and then there's a, a groove here that holds this handle right here, and the boss is going, wow, that's really great. And he says, that, that looks pretty good. What does it do? And the guy goes, do? Well, that doesn't do anything. I just, I just made it. We're going to sell a lot of these. Who's going to buy one? Right? It, it, that's not the way it works, is it? You know, everything has a purpose. It was designed for a purpose. Now, you don't always know the purpose. I mean, you have to discover the purpose. But everything that was ever made was designed for a purpose because it was made by a craftsman. It was made by a master worker who made his masterpiece. That's you, and that's me. We were formed and fashioned created by the master worker as a masterpiece. Well, as, as we can all agree in life and is that you can't always see people's purpose, right? I mean, there's some people you go, I wonder what their purpose is in life. Maybe you've asked that about yourself. You know, what, what's my purpose in life? What, do I even have a purpose? I'm just, I think I'm just, was mismade and uh, the designer just said, I'm just gonna make this and it looks funny, you know, and put it on the shelf. No, the, the, the master, 
creates and crafts everyone as a poem, as a masterpiece, as a work of art. We're not by happenstance. Imagine taking a couple of boxes of Scrabble letters and shaking them up and throwing them out on the table and, and, and they all land in perfect you know, place and, and, and you see the word, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yeah, anyone recognize that? Julie does, <laughs> probably. Shakespeare's sonnet number 18, one of the most famous poems in the, in the world. And just drop the letters and there it formed out. And then the rest of the poem is right below it. That's just dumb. That's not going to happen, ever. Because Shakespeare wrote that poem. He created, crafted it. God created and crafted you, not by accident. He didn't shake up all the DNA in the world and go, Whoa, look, there's Bob. <laughs> he, he, he created you. You're a masterpiece. But what's your purpose? And, and I don't think we, we just have one. I think God has so many things he wants to do in us. Um, again, I think that uh, the purpose-driven life, understanding that we were created to worship him, um, that we are created to have fellowship with him, that we are created to worship him, Those are, that's, that's part of it. Um, that's a, a huge part of it. But what's our, our purpose? You've been made with a, with a purpose. Yours workmanship. It says here that you were created for good works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Philippians chapter 1, it uses the same word good there. And uh, it's just a simple Greek word, it's agathos. You know, the word, the, the word name agatha really means good, um, morally good. It's, it's a good creation. And, and the works there, it's, it's a created work. And, and, and something that it's an action. Um, it comes from the word ergo, which is, is a, a type of toil, it's a work. Um, so we are created for good toil. Good toil. I'm going to go to Philippians real quick and see that. It's important. I believe it's 6, 16. Find it. Mm -hmm. Verse 6, 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God created started a good work in you. Okay? That's, and that's, that's awesome. That's powerful. Same word that God created you to do. So when he created you to good works, it's the same word he used about himself, the work he's doing in you. God doesn't do bad work. He doesn't do mediocre work. God is doing a work in us, and now he wants you and me to do good works, which aren't mediocre which aren't halfway. He's calling us to show his attributes because we're his workmanship and, and to do it well. To do what he's called us to do and do it well. And he created us for good works. We bear the impression or the imprint of God. Good works. What are those good works? He wants us to live and, and, and show his attributes to the world. That's part of, part of his plan for us, that we would live a life and show who God is to the world. And, and I'm convicted by this because I know too often I don't. 
But he created you, he created me, that when people would see me, they would see God. Now, you know, we're all imperfect. We're all cracked pots. You know, we're all, we're all broken. And yet God can reveal his love and his grace and his glory through us. In fact, and that's the, you know, at least wrote a book called The Cracked Pots. And the, the idea is that, you know, if you're, if you're a pot and you're cracked and Jesus puts the light inside, the only way to see the light is through your cracks anyways, right? Through the broken parts. And that's okay. We don't need to hide them. We just say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress, but God's light and life is inside of me. So it's not about faking it till you make it. It's, it's about letting God have his way in us and showing that, that you're real and that you're going through a struggle and that God is walking you through it. I, th- I think it's more, in, in, you know, it's one thing to, to watch, you know, maybe a Joel Osteen or someone who's got it all together and, and he's got his big smile and he has this wonderful message and you go, wow, that just sounds so really good. But is it real? Do you, any of you relate with, with his life? with, with the, how he preaches even? I mean, it's encouraging. Or, or, or do you like to see somebody who's been through the trenches and, and, and come out and you're like, you know what, you, you went through a similar struggle as I did. That gives me hope. You know, if you want to lose weight, do you want to lose weight with the person who's always been skinny and in shape? You're like, yeah, yeah, you don't know about the temptation to eat ding-dongs. Right? I mean, no way. Or, or, or do you want to get help from somebody who was big and worked hard to make it small? And, and you go, you know what? You did it. It gives me hope that I can do it. See, th- that's, that's us. Living for Christ, letting his light shine on us, doing good works through Christ helps people to see Christ in us and through us. But on the other side, it's no fun to watch failures either. You know? Hey, man, I'm still addicted to this, and I'm still addicted to that, and I yell at my wife, and praise God, I'm saved, and if you accept Jesus, you can be just like me. Eh, No thanks. Move on to the next religion. If that's your God, if that God is so powerless he can't help you, so we need to be willing to let God work through us to show his attributes. Is God able to save? Yes. Is he able to deliver? Absolutely. When we're not delivered, it's because we're choosing to stay in the old way. I think the Bible clearly teaches the, the picture that, that he unlocked the cell door. If you're still in the cell, it's because you haven't walked out. And he created us to serve him. He created us for good works. And I want to focus just for the last few minutes on that and, and, and just give it, get, our, get our thoughts going and get our heart going and get our prayers racing. What good works are you doing for Jesus? Now, we're going to put these back. We need, you know, don't get the cart before the horse. Go back. We're not doing them in order to be saved. See, I kind of glossed over this quickly. We're doing them because that's what we're created to do. I'm just being the little, the little uh, socket with the funny little end out to do a brake job. God created you for a specific good work. How's it going? 
Are you allowing God to move in you and work through you to do good works for the world to see God? You know, that we always used to sing that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. He created you to shine and to do good works. He didn't create you just to think good thoughts. He didn't create you to hear good sermons. He created you and me to do good works, to shine the attributes of God to the world. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go be a missionary. Immediately, sometimes we go, oh, yeah, I got to go and sell my house and go to the mission. You don't have to do that. Maybe God will call you to do that. When we went down to Mexico, the people loved on us, and we loved on them back, and, and that was a good work. We were showing the love of Christ in that moment. It's tiring to speak in another language. If, if, you, if you speak two languages, especially if you're not fluent in, in the other language, me duele mi cabeza. My head hurts after eight, ten hours trying to, to live in another language. And, and yet, when pastor says, hey, we're going to this house now for a meal, we go, okay. I'm going to get my head hurt a little bit more. <laughs> and you go and you work through and you try to communicate and you try to love and it's not always easy. It's sometimes it's difficult to do what God calls you, but it might just be a relationship like your neighbor, the person who you really don't like a lot and God might want you to do a good work of reaching out to them, to being God with skin on, if you will, to be in the attributes of God to a neighbor, maybe to take in somebody who's, who's homeless and needs a, a, a hand up, to, to drive somebody to the doctors, to preach the gospel, to teach a Sunday school class. See, God has created you for a lot of things, and I'll, and I'll guarantee you some of the things he's created for you for would scare the bejeebers out of you if you knew it right now. That's why I kind of mentioned, mentioned Karen. You know, she might not have stayed at the church if she would have been told, oh, yeah, and in a couple of years you have to lead a life group and you're going to be on the board and you're going to do this stuff. And she, she would have said, you know, I'm going to find another church. One that, one that won't mess with me. Because that's our flesh, right? We want it. It's, it's a lot easier to be comfortable and cozy and, you know, no pressure. But God created you for things. And he might have something for you today and a very different thing tomorrow. And in five years, you could be up here preaching or going to the mission field, having an orphanage, owning a, a, a different business, whatever it might be. But God created you for good works. How's it going? I get meddled with this all the time because I believe God's created me for more than, than just preaching. I have to be open to that moment in the store that he wants me to stop even though I'm really busy and talk with the person in aisle three that I was just trying to avoid. And I know n none of you have ever tried to avoid anybody in the store. <laughs> God, what is it that you have me for me? What good works? You know, it's, it's, it's so important that we, we're taught the word and we know the word. It's so important that we're in fellowship. But like I said, God didn't create us to listen to good sermons. 
He didn't create us to sit. He created us to do out of love, understanding that it's by his grace that we're saved. And as, as they were talking about the relationship and as Shannon was alluding to and, and um, it's been wonderful to see this work that God's just been, been doing in here, that, that being full of the love of God so much that you just share. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was actually, Larry and Carrie, I was thinking of Peyton. Y- you've seen Peyton. You might not, who mom, not know that, you know, but she's this little doll who's just so incredibly sweet. And um, she just melts my heart. And she comes up to me and she gives me little kisses and little hugs. And she's just so full of love, not just for her parents. Her love overflows to other people. It's amazing. It's like some crazy thing is happening. This little girl will give me little kisses on the cheek and she just smiles. And, and this is the picture that God, that's supposed to be us. See, you guys love Peyton so much and she's so comfortable in your love that she loves you back and she receives your love and she's been filled with your love that she naturally gives out love to other people. What a concept. That we might allow God to love us and love him back so much that we automatically love others because of his love for us. And out of that love, we're going to do good works. And, and we're going to wrestle in the flesh because they're still hard. And we're going to have this love and this thing is going to, and, and we're going to feel like, oh, I'm supposed to go fix their fence for them Saturday when I want to go fishing. And you're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to do it because you've called me to do it. Because we were created for good works. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Fully. One of the things that I see in, 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 the, in the church in Mexico, they don't have the distractions we do, so they're able to fully give to the work of the Lord. And, and, and the sign on the front of the church freaked me out, and I thought, if I put that sign on our billboard, the church would begin to empty out because it says Sunday morning service, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., three hours. I start apologizing right about now when I've gone a few minutes over my hour and a half. And they come together, and what they don't announce on the sign is that that about 25% of the church comes at 9.30 to pray for 30 minutes. There was, there was a good 70 people. I go in for prayer time and there's like 70 people praying. And then they do Sunday school for an hour and worship for an hour. And then Pastor Aaron preaches the message for an hour to an hour and a half. And they're not comfortable chairs like this. In fact, if you want to know the chair, how the chairs feel, there's these little black fold-up chairs in the, in the cafe. Sit in one of those and think, three hours, not my... <laughs> and I don't think we need to have three-hour services. The idea is that, that they come and they're ready to serve the Lord and, and people are serving, they're teaching and they're sweeping and they're, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how many people 
uh, need to make that thing happen. I mean, you know, they have a platform kind of like this that's on on rollers, and so for the baptism, they, it's it's on like four different parts. They move the thing. They have to disconnect all the equipment, move it to the side, to open up the the baptismal, which isn't full of water, so they have to fill it full of water, and they heat it with crazy heater with like wires sticking in the water. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm, and there's like wires right in there, and you can see the ends of the wires wrapped around the little heating element. And I'm like, I hope they take that out before they baptize people. Well, at least if they don't, they're going. So we know where they're going. But <laughs> and they and they heat that up, and then and then they do things. I mean, this is it was just awesome. They they. They put together changing rooms. In each corner, they build these metal things every time they have a baptism and put curtains around it and, and they, so that people can change their clothes. And then people getting out of, the, out of the baptismal, there's like four people waiting on them with towels and robes. And I mean, it's like everyone is just serving constantly. You go, Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When you serve, when you use your gift, when, and your gift is the way God created you. He, he formed and fashioned you as a masterpiece. When, when you take your gift, the way God created you, and you serve it, you are, serve, you are ministering God's grace to people. You're not just serving them a cup of coffee or making a snack for them or reading a children's story or visiting a neighbor. You are delivering God's grace to somebody else. And Paul said in Acts 20, this is my desire that I could say this with him, however I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Let my life testify to God's grace, what he's done in my life, that I can finish the race, I can do the task, and at the end of my life, I can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That I didn't get lost in, in having a bigger house and having better vacations and, and all those distractions that we have in this world, but I can give myself fully to the work of the Lord in and through whatever he gives to me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this journey through Ephesians. And today as we just touched briefly on that we were created as a masterpiece for good works. God, you've done a good work in us and that's the same thing you want us to do for others. Use our gifts. Use the way you created us to bring life to people, to bring joy to people, to bring uh, um, help and whatever whatever it is, God. And I pray that as we look around and we have various screwdrivers and hammers and wrenches and lots of nuts and bolts in this place, God, you created each of us. And I pray that each of us would find the work that you want us to do today. And that we'd find the work that you want, want us to do tomorrow and on Tuesday and Wednesday. God, that we would never be satisfied just that we did a work. Oh, yeah, when I was 22, I did this really great work for the Lord, and I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. But, God, that you would help us to live in such a place of love and relationship with you that, that we hear your voice and we know what you're calling us to do, and then you give us the courage and the boldness to step into that and, and fulfill that you created us for good works. God, strengthen us. Help us to know you in a deeper way and help us to know 
and receive that grace that we've received because we're saved. I pray none of us will feel like we have to work for that salvation. God, but we'll just know the love that you have for us and the grace that you have and live from that point of being. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.